right, get your lessons out and let's take a look at that, if you will. Just review with me, open up inside the front cover and let's just out loud review what is that definition of ministry that we've given you. Ministry, uh, you're like it or not, you're in the ministry, that's the title of the whole series that we're in. And we didn't finish last week, so we're going to try to finish tonight. Uh, we, we got talking about this definition last week and uh, asked you some questions about it. You did a really good job with that, uh, but we'll, we won't ask you any more questions about that so we can actually finish the lesson this time. All right, so quote with me uh, the definition right inside page two of your notes there. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And we all want to be part of ministry because there's a blessing in it that you don't get if you don't get involved somehow. Uh, You need to be more than a bump on a pickle. You need to be somebody who's actually doing something in the church. You need to be somebody who's a part of the thing. I, you know, I see a lot of people, they come to church and they kind of check the box, say, I did my church thing, and then they go on with their life and they go back to the world they were in. And uh, those are the Christians that kind of miss out on the joy of the Lord. And when the trouble comes, they don't really have any character and strength to, uh, that, to undergird them because they haven't been actively walking with the Lord. So it's important that you do that. So look at the front cover again, and there's that definition of Christian character, or there's a a quote about Christian character. The title of the lesson is The Value of Christian Character. Again, we're repeating, we're trying to finish up what we started last week. No matter how painful or disappointing your service may seem to you, it's not being wasted. God is building your character while he is building his church. And what he does lasts forever. That makes even the criticism worthwhile. So when you try to do something for the Lord, anytime you try to do something for the Lord, you get criticized. You know, I, I, I may not always agree with our president, but I wouldn't want that job. I wouldn't want that job. You got, you got, a, uh, you got the media constantly after you. You got other politicians who want your job after you all the time. And everything you do is under such scrutiny. And if you mess up and forget one little word... Boy, they flip the whole thing upside down before they know it. Everybody declares you an idiot, you know. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to say whether that's true or not. I'm just going to say that's a declaration that comes because of, of uh, mistakes that we make. You get out in front of people, you try to accomplish something for the Lord, you make mistakes. I, I've never made any and I won't tonight, I'm sure. But, uh, the, the, that's the, but it's just what happens. It's just what happens because we're flawed individuals. Well, let's go on now to... Um, page number three in your notes there. Um, and, and I want you to remember this. Ministry is hard work. You want to be involved in ministry? It's not easy. You're not gonna, you, if you're going to teach a Sunday school lesson, that means you, you've got to take the time to study your lesson before you go to teach it. You've got to know what you're saying, right? That takes time. Uh, a good Sunday school teacher goes beyond that and they, they call their students once in a while, see if they're still alive. And, I missed you last week. Where are you? Oh, I thank you for coming to be in my class. I'll never forget uh, one of my teachers, Mr. Reinebach, who uh, we were one of those church families that was at church every Sunday. We, we were there all the time. We never missed anything. Anytime the door was open, we were there. If the door wasn't open, we had a key. We went in anyway. And uh, that's just the way our church, our family was. We were constantly church people. And uh, so sometimes what happens is if you get somebody who's like that, they're always in church and they never miss and they're always on time and they're good people. And you, everybody just kind of says, well, they're just part of the wall and they're going to be here. So we don't, have to worry, we don't have to spend any time on that. But I remember Mr. Reinebach driving 30 minutes out to my house, coming to my house, 
thanking me for being in his sixth grade Sunday school class. And I was ornery back then, and he still thanked me for being there. And uh, then another time, he invited us over to his house to play ping pong in the basement and eat popcorn. That was it. But he, he made the extra effort to, to be involved in ministry. That took him time. That took his energy. It took his money. It took something from him. And he was not a young man. Uh, but he made an impact because he cared. I don't remember really any of the lessons that he taught. I don't remember them. But I remember him and the character that he had because he genuinely cared and he was willing to put the work into it. It makes a difference. His life taught. Ministry is hard work. There will be heartaches, setbacks, and struggles. Bottom of page three. All of these difficulties and emotional challenges that develop something that an easy life can never do. If it's not hard, you're not going to build muscles without, without going through some hardship. You see the guy there, Pastor Kelly, said he put BK on the front of that guy's shirt in his notes last week uh, uh, for Pastor Kelly. Anyway, um, he said, that's me without, with, with more hair. All right, I said, okay. And we had a good chuckle over that. But, uh, but uh, physical muscles don't come without lifting the weights. You, you're not going to get stamina in a race unless you run a lot. You know, you're just not going to get there. And you, I remember playing basketball. We ran wind sprints, and we, we, we ran laps in soccer, and we were, ran miles to stay in shape for soccer. And, uh, and you, don't get, you, don't, you, can't, you can't win unless, you, unless you're in shape. And you have to develop that strength physically. Well, spiritually and mentally and in every other way, you have to have that strength as well. And that comes by going through hard times. And we don't ask for them. <laughs> you're, you're crazy if you ask for hard times. Uh, you're crazy if you ask for hard times. But what happens if God gives you hard times, you've learned to say, okay, Lord, you brought this to me for a reason. What is it that I'm supposed to learn through this? I was talking to a lady about that right before the lesson tonight. She says, I've read that first thing about character, and she says, already I've gotten been blessed. I said, okay, good. Well, that's all right. Let's, well, let's just go home now. But, uh, but no, we do have to, we have to go through hard times in order to have our spiritual muscles, our muscles strengthened. Spiritual character comes from consistently plotting when the going gets tough and it's of greater value than any other character that you have. I want you to look in your Bibles and it's not in your notes, okay? I want you to look in your Bibles. I, if you got the uh, email I sent out earlier, you've got these passages of Scripture handed to you or sent to you. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. The book of uh, Colossians was, was a very instrumental book in my development as a young man going into ministry. But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Uh, I want to make a statement here. Uh, most Christians want to have a testimony of godly character. You want to have that. But a lot of Christians don't want to do the heavy lifting that it takes to get there. You want an easy life. You want to be a Christian and you want to, you want to just kind of slide into heaven. All right, I got, I, got my, I got my fire escape from hell and that's all you want. Well, you're missing on what the Christian life is all about. You're missing the strength that comes when you do the work of the ministry. Character begins by deciding to trust and obey God's word without reservation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. That forgiving each other is hard. Bearing with each other is hard. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. 
And this, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what happens when you have the trouble. You say, okay, Lord, I didn't want this load. I didn't want my father-in-law to die. I didn't want my wife to have a kidney stone. Uh, I didn't want some of the other struggles that are in my life right now. So I have to turn this over to you, and Lord, you're going to have to give me your peace, because without it, I don't know how I'm going to go on. Okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We just sang, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's being thankful, and that's hard. How do you thank the Lord when you drop a hammer on your toe, you know? How do you do that? Lord, thank you. I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but... Thank you, Lord, that that didn't happen twice. Okay, whatever. Okay? Uh, Verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And it goes on and talks about singing and all of that sort of thing. But if you will let God's word sink and soak down deep in your heart, that's kind of the beginning of character. Because it gives you the instructions on how to live. And if you will live by this book, when the trials come, you'll say, okay, how am I supposed to handle this? And you go looking for it, and then you find it, and you say, okay, Lord, that's what you said to do when this happens. I'm going to trust you. And then you begin to develop character, okay? Now look in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I've cheated. I've got them all printed out for me here. But in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Thank you, Lord, for this difficulty. (laughs) That's hard to say. Thank you, Lord, for this difficulty. The character comes to those who give God permission to do whatever it takes to build godly character into their lives. Uh, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's the muscle building. That's the spiritual muscle building. And let endurance have its perfect reserve. Allow it in your life. Say, God, you have permission to bring these things into my life to help me and develop me. And let endurance have its perfect result. Why? So that you may be perfect and complete. King James says entire, lacking nothing. You have everything that you need to be able to continue when you just don't feel like continuing. I, I had to chuckle with somebody Somebody told me, oh, I'm not going to make it tonight. I'm just tired. I'm just going to watch it on the live stream. I said, well, I'm tired too. Maybe I'll just watch it on the live stream. But I guess I'm supposed to be here. Uh, so um, we, we get that way. And, 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 and I understand that. I'm not, I'm not faulting that person at all. Please understand that. We had a good chuckle about that. But um, the, the fact is, when we have troubles and difficulties, that is God working in our lives. Now, you say, well, somebody sinned to make that thing happen. Well, God allowed it for whatever reason. And you have to say, God allowed it. He didn't cause that person to sin. That person may have sinned. But God allowed that to happen in your life for a reason. So you're going to have to alert it. Because there's going to come along somewhere down the road, you're going to find out. Just as my father dying when I was 10 years old. I was able to sit down next to a 10-year-old whose father died and say, I know exactly how you feel. Godly character was being built in my life through something I would never have asked for. But God is using it. And so you're in the middle of a trial right now, maybe. And you're saying, I don't like this. Well, consider it all joy. Because you know God's doing something. And you don't know yet. But you stick with it and you walk with the Lord and you're going to find out on the other side what it is. Okay? Hey, and by the way, 
if it takes you out of this world into heaven, boy, what, how, how, how good can that be? I've often told people, don't threaten me with heaven. You know, so it, make, it makes you fearless. It makes you, it gives you, it gives you grit. It gives you courage to go on and serve the Lord in a battle that we're in. James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 says something else. Character comes to those who pray with unwavering faith for godly wisdom. You want wisdom, it's going to come through trials. You've got to go through something to learn. And you learn how to use the knowledge of God's word to get you through that so that you can help other people. James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom... Uh, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. No wavering here. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect, the, the guy who's blown around with the wind, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then one other passage I want you to look at is Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And then we're going to get into the rest of the paperwork, okay, that you have there. Hebrews chapter 12. I just thought this would be a good addendum. Frankly, I needed this myself today. Hebrews chapter 12. Character comes to those who refuse to quit no matter how difficult it becomes to live the Christian life. You ever get that way? You say, I've had it. I am, I am just done. There are times I feel that way. I'm sure you do. But Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, other people have done this. Other people have developed this character. Other people have walked this Christian life before. Since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, those are in heaven already, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus... The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. If Jesus could endure a cross for you, you can endure whatever struggles you're going on for him. You're going through for him. It says there, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the, other, of the throne of God. He got to the other side of that struggle. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So when you get discouraged and you say, I want to quit, just remember Jesus. Look what he did for you and say, all right, if he can do that for me, I guess I can do whatever I'm going through for him uh, and for his glory. All right, so that's, that's, those are some things that will help us with uh, developing godly character. All right, so now let's go to page six. We've, we went through pages four and five, I think, last week, and that's about as far as we got. We might have got through part page six, so let's just kind of hit these things. Christian character is forged. Like a sword thrown into the fire and beat with a hammer, Christian character is forged in the fires of holy living in line with God's word, deepness of spiritual roots, loyalty to Christ and his word, a desire to represent the Lord well, and a concentrated focus on accomplishing the will of God. All right? So last week we talked about this holy living in line with God's word. Uh, prepare your minds for action, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace that is that to, uh, grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. For as it is written, thou shalt be holy, for I am holy. 
and Dr. Bob gave that quote there, it's so good, the Christian philosophy of self-denial, self, uh, Christian philosophy is a philosophy of self-denial, self-control, and self-restraint. The problem is many Christians that I know want to live for selfish desires. They, want to, they, they don't want to be restrained. They don't want any kind of anybody telling them what to do. The satanic philosophy, Dr. Bob says, and it's good, it's true. It's a philosophy of live as you please. Have what you want. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. It's your life. You've got a right to live it. Now, isn't that the way you see most people living their life? Sounds like a Budweiser commercial is what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like. And most Christians want to live the same way. You are not going to develop Christian character and you're not going to be used of God if you live for yourself. <laughs> because I hate to tell you this, it ain't, it ain't about you. It ain't about me. Forgive me for saying ain't. I ain't supposed to say that. All right? The truth of the matter is we're not here to live for us. We're here to live for the Lord. And so we need to be living the way God wants us to live and it requires holy living. Go to the next page. Page 7 says, study universal holiness of life. This is Robert Murray McShane that talks about a, a, uh, a powerful, a minister, a holy minister is a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord. Okay? A study universal holiness of, of life. Your whole usefulness depends on this. Your sermon lasts but an hour or two, or your life, but your life preaches all week long. That track you hand to somebody might last for a minute or two, but if you give it to them with the right spirit, and you show them the, Christ, the love of Christ, and you show Christian character in your life, they may forget the track, but they'll remember you, and they'll remember the, that testimony that you have. So live a holy life. People pay attention to it. They might make fun of us. They do. I know. But when they get in trouble, who do they call? They call the people who live in the holy lives. Romans chapter 14, verse 22, The faith which you have, have it as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself, condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. If it's doubtful, don't. That's basically the idea. If you're not sure it's a good thing to do, don't do it. If you're not sure it's going to... If, you know, um, my wife always, she asks me, is that, I'll ask her, is this, is this shirt clean? And she'll say, well, if you have to ask, you probably shouldn't put it on. Right? Um, and so, so it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good way to look at, at life. If you're not sure, should I do this or not? Is it okay for me to go here? Is it okay for me to do this? Is it okay to me to, whatever. If you're not sure, just back up a little bit. Do you have to do this? If you don't have to do it and you're not sure, you want to live a holy life, just back up and say, I'll wait until I'm sure. Okay? All right? And then it talks about the fruit, uh, the, uh, the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the, uh, the fruit of the spirit. You got a rotten one, you got a clean one. Uh, don't let the fruit, the, the rotten flesh guide you. Let the fruit of the spirit guide you. That is the clean, the pure, the holy way of living. Okay? And uh, we'll, we've talked about that last week, so we'll go on to the next point. Deepness of spiritual roots. There's a tree there, and you see roots underneath it there. That's just an illustration for you. How do you get deep spiritual roots? It, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes time. How do you think we get the mighty oaks that we have, and the redwoods that we have? It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time for this to happen. 
You can get saved in a second, just as a, a sapling is, is alive, right? But, the, but it's easy to yank a sapling out of the ground if it, if it hadn't been there a while. If you try to grab a redwood and pull that out of the ground, that's a little harder, isn't it? Why? It's been there a thousand years. The roots have done, dug down. Well, they don't have real deep roots, but they, they, they spread out and they, they hold themselves up pretty well. Oak trees just go way down. And they hang, hang in there during the storms. A man may be saved in a second, but it takes time to build a Christian character that will stand the test of years in the storms of life. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a new Christian, you can't have character. It means just use what you have now. And you stay faithful to the Lord now. You obey the word of God now. And God will teach you some things and you'll have deeper roots. Okay? It's not about being smarter than anybody else. I mean, I, I've talked to some people that are really smart. I'm not so smart. I know that. I talked to some PhDs who couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. But, 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 but they think they're smart. What we need more than we need degrees is we need common sense and we need godly sense and obedience to the Word of God that brings you, gives you that deep, those deep roots and character that gets you through the storms. And those, stor- those trees that, that go down, that have the deep roots, they can endure the wind when it blows. And they don't fall over. You ever see the trees that fall over here when it rains and then the wind blows? They don't have very deep roots. You need to ask God to help you to stick with it and so that you can develop those roots, okay, down the road. Go to the next page. Most Christians who have been in church for a while have heard and understand the qualifications of a pastor. And you can read those things, all the qualifications of a pastor. And uh, some of the things that I circled, you know, he's, he's temperate. You know, he's got these things under control. He's prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted. Uh, he's not pugnacious. He's, he's gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. And he goes on and talks about other things. There's dignity there. Verse 6 says, not a new convert, okay? Now listen, I have been, in, been placed in ministries and called to ministries in different places, and, and it's just the way the Lord's worked. I've always wanted to just be one place forever and ever and ever, and it seems like God just says, nope, I need you over there, and he puts me in Guam or something, you know. It's, it's, it's been strange in my life. But, but along the way sometimes I've run into a ministry or two where people that were not rooted and deeply rooted were put into positions of leadership. And they just didn't have what it took to stand. And they fell along the way. One ministry I was in, it was like they picked somebody who had a skill, but they hadn't been a Christian very long. And then they put them into an intense ministry situation, and the, the addictions that they had before they were believers were what they fell into, when the struggles of ministry came at them. And so they, they failed in ministry because of that. We need to have people who are mature, have stuck with the stuff for a long time. You've been in your Bible. You, you've been obeying God's word. You've allowed God to do the work in your heart. The idea of not a, not, not a new convert, or King James says not a novice. Uh, that You don't want a pastor who, who doesn't, hasn't, hasn't been through a few fires and, and a few difficulties. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a young pastor, but you need to have a young pastor who has started to develop character, and you need to help him continue to develop character if that time comes. But it's not just pastors. You look in the middle of the page. It talks about deacons. They're also supposed to be men of character, men, of, men who have been through these things. They're not, they're, it says in verse 10, these men must be tested. They've been through some things, and they've stood the test. And that's just a new Christian with a, 
with a big bank account or a good looks or a great personality. If somebody who has lived for the Lord a while, then you put them in that position. They fit the qualifications that the Bible gives us here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Okay? Thank the Lord we have some deacons like that. That's a wonderful thing. Then it goes in in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11. And, uh, and uh, the King James says, and their wives. The New American Standard says women. So some people say that, uh, that we're talking about the wives of the deacons. Other people say this is talking about deaconesses. Okay, because the same kind of Greek word is that diakonos, which is the Greek word for deacon. It means a servant, somebody who's willing to help. But uh, it says in verse 11, 1 Timothy 3.11, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And uh, we're talking about church leaders, pastors, deacons, women who are part of the leadership of a church. They need to be people of character. And you say, well, I don't ever want to be a pastor. I don't think I want to be a deacon. I don't want to be a deaconess. But still, do you not want to be a person of character? If you want to be a person of character, you want to be like those people. Because they have developed this character in their lives. They have grown. They've got those deeper roots. They're ready to serve. They're, they're prepared to serve. If you want to be in ministry, you need to ask God to help you to develop those deep roots. From holy living and sticking with the stuff. There's a picture there at the bottom, page 8. What, what do people think about you? And some people say, it doesn't matter what people think about me. It does matter what people think about you. And I'm not talking about your looks. I'm talking about what, what, what reputation do you have? Do people see you as a person of character? Or do they see you as somebody who's kind of flippant and, and the first one to run when the going gets tough? What do they see and more importantly, what does God see? That's what really matters down deep. But godly people will recognize character in other people. And so it's important that you have a reputation for it. Okay? Page 9, look at the top there. It takes more than a winning personality to influence people for Christ. It takes godly character. It's been said that people are like trees. The shadow of the tree is a reputation. The fruit of the tree might be your personality, but the roots of the tree are the most important, and that is the character. That's what stands the test of time. Okay? I've known people with great personalities who just failed in ministry. Good-looking people. Pastor Kelly and I laugh and talk about the tall, tan, terrific preacher, and we're neither one of those. Okay? But uh, the idea here is that we, that we, we don't want to be just somebody who's a flash in the pan, somebody everybody looks at and says, there, they're great, look at them, wow. Like David's older brothers, right? And God said, I look at the heart, not just the outward appearance. So it does matter what people think about you, but I'm not so worried about what people think about what I look like. I'm much more concerned that people know me to be a person of character who's walked with the Lord. And that takes time to earn it takes time to earn it. Um, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 in page 9 there. Uh, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. You should look at somebody who's been around, done a good job, and been faithful, and honor that person. Um, at verse, verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Somebody who's trying to lead and somebody's trying to have character, they're going to get accused and attacked and all sort of things. I had that even happen to me today. Somebody just accused me of something and said, that's just not true. 
And uh, but so so when it comes time, I know people who try to take down leaders, and and uh, but you need to be very careful about that. Not just one accusation. Make sure that there's proof about these things. Uh, they are held to a higher standard. And the Bible says there, verse twenty: those who continue in sin, you see somebody who's doing something wrong, especially a leader, rebuke that person in the presence of all. He's in front of everybody. You might as well rebuke him in front of everybody. He's sinning in front of everybody. Let's rebuke him in front of everybody, right? Rebuke it in the presence of all so that the rest, other people who are watching, people who've been looking at his character, uh, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles. Get that word. Principles. Principles don't change. Methods might. Personalities do. Personnel change. But Bible principles don't change. And you need to make sure you maintain your Bible principles. Maintain these principles without bias. Don't let personality influence you to give up your principles. And doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Don't don't give up your principles because you like that person. Stand by the principle. Those are the roots that build the character. Okay. So in order to be successful in battle, we need to know what the Bible says well enough to model holy living. We need to be strong enough to defend what we believe. In verse 22, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. I, I've mentioned that about not taking a novice and putting them up too fast. Let somebody go through the ranks slowly. Start them off taking the trash out and then maybe you know, do something else and then have them maybe teach a little child's class and then maybe have them maybe get in the pulpit once in a while. I like it when I have somebody who's got kind of enough character to be the janitor at our church and I can still let them get in the pulpit once in a while. That's a great that's a great token of character, right? First Timothy chapter three verse one, if any man aspires to the office of a of an overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. You should have a desire to go as high in the local church ministry as God will allow you. But it takes building the local church, or it takes building your life in obedience to God's word, okay? And uh, living according to those things. Ask God to help you to page, uh, the next page, page 10. Ask God to help you to grow deep roots by studying and nurturing a testimony for Christian character. And then loyalty to Christ and his word. A life of character is built upon everyday decisions. You know what you're supposed to do. Well, then do it. Bible says to not take the name of the Lord God in vain. If you do it, ask God to help you take that away. Uh, if you know you have a tendency towards lying, uh, Lord, help me tell the truth. Uh, whatever, I, I, lust, Lord, help me get over that. Whatever it takes, you want to get it out of your life. Whatever it takes. Let me read a. This is in my little prayer journal that I use. Um, I, I put this in here and I kind of look at it often. Whatever it takes to keep me tender towards you, whatever it takes, Lord, I beg you to do. Whatever you must lead me through, whatever it takes, Lord, do. At times I hear your voice and try to hide, but patiently you draw me to your side. I may not always see that your words are life to me. So many times I've missed you. Help me, Lord, to not resist you. Sometimes my heart gets hard and I can't see that your correction is protecting me. 
But as I look within the darkness of my sin, it breaks my heart and leaves me tender. Gratefully, I then surrender. That helps you to build this character. Loyalty to Christ and His Word. Whatever it is I need to do, Lord, do it. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? We pray and say, Lord, help me here. Lord, do this with me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. That's that's disloyalty to your Lord when you purposely disobey him. Or you refuse to do what he says. Or you ignore, or maybe you didn't know what he said, and so you messed up because you didn't hear it. You're still responsible because he said it. Do it. Okay? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on a rock. When a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. He has got character because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly, he doesn't do what his Lord says. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the tor- torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed. You know that song. The wise man built his house. Next week's vacation Bible school or five-day Bible camp. The kids will sing that. You know that song? Sing it with me. The wise man built his house. I don't make you act it out. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rain came down, and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. And then we talk about the foolish man, and the rains came down, and it went like that. That's what what the kids always like that part. There was another one that we taught my grandson. Uh, Read your Bible, pray every day. You know that one? Pray every day, pray every... And we used to do it squatting down. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then we used to say, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And that's the truth. I mean, we taught that to my four-year-old grandson. But, and he loved it, and not just the motion. But I think there's something to that. We can't have, we, we, if, if we don't know what God's word has said, and we're not doing what God has said, we haven't been in his word, you're not going to develop character. You're just not. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, applying all diligence in your faith, supply, or King James says, add to your faith. It means you have this one characteristic and you don't get rid of that one. You just add something else to it. And you add something else to it and add this to it. This is the way we grow spiritually. This is the way we develop character. This is how we grow in the things of the Lord. Verse 8 says, For if these qualities, and there's a list there, you can look at them. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to have character, you've got to, you've got to work at these things. And that's not working to be saved. It's working to grow. And it's working so that you can become what you want to be, what God wants you to be. Keep doing what you know to do and keep adding to it for the glory of the Lord. Ultimately, that's what ministry is about, right? Ultimately, the goal is the glory of the Lord. We talked about that several weeks ago, right? Turn to page 11, next page. Desire to represent the Lord well should be another goal. 
I want people to know I'm a Christian, and I want them to think highly of Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador for him. You know, we don't want an ambassador to go to another country and represent the United States of America and make a fool of himself, or to go out and be a, be a terrible person. I, I've watched cop shows, you know, and we talk about foreigners coming in, and they got diplomatic immunity, so they think they can do whatever they want. That doesn't represent their nation very well. No, we, we need to be people of character who do what's right. We represent the Lord. We don't have diplomatic immunity as far as God's concerned. We have to do what he says. And we're required. It's his world. And uh, at the top of that page, you see that picture of that young lady and her husband. That's Brittany Torres. A couple weeks ago, we asked you to pray for her. And then as this was being printed up, she was getting ready last week to go in for heart surgery. And last week, about 2.30 in the morning, she had a new heart. And praise the Lord. And I've been watching the testimony since then. She was trying to be a witness up to the point that she went into the surgery. And I've been catching the updates, and she's still doing that even after the surgery. Now, she's as weak as she, she's weak, and it's going to take her a while to overcome it. But she's, I, I saw today, there was a posting on Facebook of, a, of her with a big smile on her face. And she's trying to be, have the joy of the Lord in her life. And I think God's honored that because she has some character. She's been through some tough things. Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 22, you know all the things that Job went through. Losing his family, losing his houses, losing servants, losing his livestock, all these things. His wife turning against him. Why don't you curse God and die? Boy, that's terrible when your wife says that. I hope my wife never tells me that. I think it would just kill me. I just really do. But Job said, uh, through all this, uh, when all this trouble happened, the Bible says, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. You know, we get into, uh, we want to, he, he represented the Lord well, is what I'm trying to say. He, he, he kept a good attitude towards the Lord. He, he wanted people to love the Lord. Job 13, verse 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. He can take me to heaven, that's all right, that's his business. But I'm still going to represent him well all the way to the end. Thank the Lord for people like that. One of the reasons I appreciate Pastor Ennis so much. He's been through a lot of fire. And he's been through a lot of difficulties. But he still has that joy. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, praise the Lord for that. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. All right, then concentrated focus on accomplishing the will of God. And we'll try to bring this, this to an end. I don't know what God has called you to do. God hasn't called every one of you to be a preacher. He hasn't. God hasn't called every one of you to be a Sunday school teacher. God hasn't done that. He has called you all to be a witness, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's told us to do that. He's told us to develop godly character in our life. That we're supposed to do. Where we go through our lives, those, those, that's our ministry. We find what we're able to do. Whatsoever your hand find it to do, do it with all your might. That's what the scripture tells us to do. So it's a concentrated focus on accomplishing the will of God. What has God called you to do? Now listen, if you really want to know, you pray and say, Lord, what, what can I do for you? That's a prayer he will answer. He will open up an opportunity for you. It may not be what you think, but it may be something different. When a, do when a door opens, go through it. You know... I remember being 13 years old and my voice was still cracking. You ever been through that? You guys do. You men have. Ladies, I don't know, do ladies do that? Do ladies, never, ladies are born with great voices, I know that. Okay. 
But us guys, we went through that point where our voices were really high, and then we were supposed to sing, and it cracked. Like, when you go up, it might crack tonight even when we were singing. And so I remember as a junior high boy, my, son, my, my pastor's wife came up to me and said, we're starting a, a teen singing group. I said, I don't sing. She says, and you're in it. I said, and next thing I know, I'm up there singing and had my uniform with the little striped tie and the suit coat and all that. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And now I get to lead singing and it doesn't bother me a bit. How'd that start? It started because somebody kind of... I became a song leader because I went to choir practice one night and the choir director didn't show up and everybody looked at me and said, you're doing it. I said, what? Serious. And so I said, well, okay, somebody's got to do it. I'll do it. That's, that's the attitude you need to have. I, I, I want to accomplish God's will and I'm going to go through the doors he opens for me. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. We talked about spiritual gifts way back in a few lessons ago, but I think the second or third lesson. Don't neglect the spiritual gift that you have. Look for it. Try to find out what, what is it that God's made me able to do? What am I supposed to do? What are my talents? What, what are my desires? What, what would I like to do for the Lord? Don't neglect it. Look, just stir that pot a little bit. Verse 15, take pains with these things. Once you know what it is, take pains with it. Be absorbed in them. If God's called you to be the janitor at the church, be the best janitor you can be. God's called you to be a preacher, be the best preacher you can be. You may not be as good as somebody else, but be the best you can be, right? And be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. And if you get to where you are absorbed in it and you stay with it and God helps and develops you, everybody's going to notice. And then they're going to say, okay, well, they handled that. Let's try something else. And God can do that with you. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. The way you live your life, the the things that you say to people, the way you witness. Be careful. Pay close attention to this. Persevere in these things. Now, these these are admonitions for, you scared me too. That's all right. We'll get through it, okay? All right. I dropped her her cane. That's all right. Um, But uh, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Stick with it. Don't stop. Take it as far as you can go. I think someone said go as far as you can down the right road. That's what you need to do. Just keep going that way. Uh, For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. You'll have confidence in your salvation. Other people will be drawn to the Lord through this. All right? So the outcome of a life well lived has great dividends, eternal dividends. It thrills me every once in a while to hear some of these young people. I got a letter several years ago, a couple years back, from a young lady who's now a mother who said, you were our youth pastor when I was 12 years old, and you took us on a ski trip. And I thought, yeah, I did? Yeah, you took us on a ski trip, and we went to West Virginia, and we went, I, oh, yeah, I remember that. And she, I was that little blonde-haired girl, and I said, you didn't say anything the whole time you were there. I, didn't, I hardly knew you were there. I'm just glad you didn't fall down and hurt yourself, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, she sat there, and she, she wrote back, she said, the things that you said at that retreat changed my life. I said, they did? We don't know what we're doing. Pastor Ennis and I say it all the time. We don't know what we're doing. She says, the things that you taught me, I'm trying to teach to my kids. Now. I'm going, really? What did I say? You know, and, and, and this, is, this is ministry. You persevere in the things God wants you to do. 
and others will benefit from it. Christians will be strengthened by your faithful testimony. Some who have fallen away from the Lord will come back. Not all will, but some will. Last page. Your Christian character matters. Remember, it's ultimately, what is ministry about? Ministry takes, say it with me, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God, right? So that's what the ultimate goal is, right? I, you remembered that. That's good. You did. I see none of you cheated and looked at the notes. That's good. All right. It's about the glory of God. This is what it's about. First Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself. Remember what Dr. Bob said? Christian character is about disciplining yourself, putting yourself under, all that. It's not whatever I want to do, right? Make yourself do what you should do for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is of only little profit. It used to work. It doesn't work anymore for me. All right? But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come. Right? I like what Wearsby said here about the ancient athletes compared to our athletes. He talks about the ancient athletes. We're talking about the, the, the ones who did the first Olympics. The old days they'd run their Olympic race not so they could get a gold medal, but so they get a, a wreath like that, uh, uh, made out of leaves. It was, I represent my king. I represent my nation. I, I get to wear the wreath because I represented my nation well. And that wreath's going to fade, and next year somebody else gets to represent the nation. So we don't know how long our crown's going to last. We don't know how long we're going to be here. But we need to do the best we can for now. Athletes today, how much money do these guys make for hitting a ball? Throwing a ball through a hoop? I mean, I mean, I, I like to watch them. Don't get me wrong. I like to watch them. Well, maybe not golf. I, I, can't, I don't like to watch that. I, that, that, that. I'd rather watch paint dry. But, uh, but the, the idea here is there, there are some sports that you watch, and it's fun. But people get paid millions of dollars to catch a ball. And, and, and if I don't get enough money, I'm not going to play. Wait a minute. These people represented their nation. They represented their king. And they did it for some leaves on a branch. This is the way it is with us. What, what's going to happen to the crowns we live, we grow, as a, we, we earn as a believer? We run the race. We get spiritual crowns. What do we do with them? It, Revelation chapter 4 kind of tells us what's going to happen to them. We're going to cast them at Jesus' feet eventually. We're not doing this for us. We're doing this for the souls of men. We want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. And, and that, just involve, that doesn't involve just today. That involves training the next generation so they can bring the people of their generation to Christ. So then they can train people so they can bring their generation to Christ. This is what it's all about. This is what life is all about. This is what ministry is all about. This is why we need Christian character. All for the glory of God. Holy living in line with God's word. Deepness of spiritual roots. From continuing faithful in what you'd start. Loyalty to Christ and his word. A desire to represent the Lord well. And a concentrated focus on accomplishing it. Staying with it to the end. It's not just beginning the race that matters. It's how you end the race that matters. 
really important. I saw the other day, something popped up, by, I don't know, something online popped up, and it showed a little girl got up to take off, she took off from the race, and there, was, there were probably 10 young people all lined up there. And she started out of the blocks, and her shoe fell off. I said, oh, well, it's over for her. She reached back there, put that shoe on, and then she took off. And she passed everybody and went all the way around, and she came way out in front. Why? She did not quit. She stayed faithful to the end. And God must have given her some grace to have that kind of strength to do it. Will you be a faithful minister? Do you have the character that it takes to not just be fly by night? You want to be used of God. Okay, Lord, give me the trials. Do whatever it takes. And I'll trust you and get through it with you. And he gives the grace that we need. Thank God for his grace. Father, thank you for the fact that you are working in our lives and sometimes you bring in things we don't want. Sometimes you allow things in our lives that we didn't ask for. But we know, Lord, that your way is best. And we don't always feel that way, but we know your way is best. So we trust you, and we ask you to give us the strength and the boldness and the courage to be faithful to what you called us to. Develop the character in our lives that we need so that we can be effective for you. And we will praise you for it because we know it's all from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.